Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, back in the saddle for another Bills 2019 Rewind here on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, subscribing. I always have trouble describing that particular way of welcoming you, which is, am I saying... Thanks for tuning in. You're not really tuning into anything. Thanks for downloading, maybe, but you may not have downloaded. You may just be listening via a stream of some sort. Uh, you may be just kind of bumping around on the app that we have at radio.com and find it somehow. I don't know how you've necessarily find it, but whatever it is, I appreciate you listening. And if you haven't been paying attention, well, I've been doing this now for a few weeks. I may have to start you know, ramping up exactly... Uh, how frequently I do these. I, I want to let all of these rewind podcasts sit in a little bit. So I usually go a few days, maybe do two a week. I've done one a week, but man, doing 16 and then, you know, a playoff game, 17 games, it's going to be a while. I don't want to be into next season, <laughs> assuming they start on time, uh, still doing these from last season. So I may have to do that. I may have to do like two in one podcast or something, but today it is just one because this one deserves its own after what happened last year in week number five in Tennessee. And I'm not even talking about what happened on the field. That was, in itself, obviously very big for the Bills. But the entire weekend surrounding Nashville and the Bills and Bills fans and a takeover of Nashville by Bills Mafia, Buffalo people, whatever you want to call it, pretty incredible. So we got to get into that, and I will right here. But that week leading up to the game, a few things were happening. The Bills and the Titans, as I said, one game separating them and two teams that I think a lot of people felt, okay, they could be in the mix, each of them, for a wild card at the end of the year, so this is going to be a really pivotal game. And as it turned out, that was absolutely the case. But the other thing that was going on was the Bills had a really interesting issue going on at wide receiver. Zay Jones, the previous week, and if you remember from my podcast on the previous game, the New England Patriots, Zay Jones was awful. He had two passes that he didn't fight for that were intercepted fans and media were really up in arms about you know his performance in that game and said you know why is he even playing if that's going to be the case and in the meantime there was Duke Williams sitting there who really had a nice preseason he was kind of a a real big darling of fans and even some media during the preseason after the Bills had signed him the leading receiver from the CFL he had this viral video from the CFL about him, you know, wrecking somebody in the in the run game. And lots of people were calling for Duke Williams to be activated from the practice squad. He had been cut at the uh, end of preseason for the uh, final roster, basically. And the Bills then re-signed under the practice squad. And he had been sitting there for a few weeks. He hadn't played. And here you have Zay Jones and his situation. But in the meantime, Robert Foster was also suffering from a groin injury. So now here's an opportunity 
for Duke Williams to be activated, whether it's for Zay Jones or for Robert Foster. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Robert Foster was inactive with the groin injury he was still dealing with. And Duke Williams not only played, he started in this game. He started and he started with John Brown and Cole Beasley. Aside from John Brown, Duke Williams wound up with the most snaps in this game as a wide receiver for the Bills. John Brown, out of 64 snaps on offense, 52 John Brown had. Duke Williams had 50, then Cole Beasley, 41. And Zay Jones, he had one snap in this game. One snap. That was it. That was his last time in a Bills uniform. After this game, which I think now can forever be known as the Duke Williams game. That's how we refer to it, right? If you think about the Tennessee game in week five last year, it's the Duke Williams game. That's exactly what it was because of all the things that I just said. So Duke Williams gets on the field. He starts for the Bills. He plays a huge role. And of course, he winds up with the game-winning touchdown pass. So I'll get into all that in just a minute. But let's talk about the atmosphere, the weekend, what was going on in Nashville. Ever since the schedule came out last year, remember, the Bills didn't have a sexy road schedule with cities like they do this year. Last year, they had basically East Coast teams, um, teams that you normally go see anyway. If you want to go to Miami, that's great. You know, they did that. They have the, the Jets. They had the Giants. Uh, they went to the Steelers. They went to the Browns. Yeah, places you can drive to, places you've been before. Not cities really that are quote-unquote destination type places, except for Nashville and Dallas. But Dallas gets put on Thanksgiving, which makes it a lot tougher for people to want to go and visit. So really, Nashville became, and especially that time of year, it's early October, early season, the weather's going to be beautiful, that's what you expect. Nashville becomes that destination city for Bills fans. And when the schedule came out, it was just loading up Bills fans. They wanted to go to Nashville. They wanted to go see the Bills play in Tennessee, take over Nashville. And I remember the last time the Bills were down there, that was the Tyrod Taylor comeback game at the end of the game. The Bills had a huge drive late, fourth quarter. Tyrod Taylor has a huge run. Chris Hogan has a huge catch. The Bills wind up winning that game coming from behind against the Titans. And there was a lot of Bills fans in that game. Let me tell you something. I've never, ever, experienced anything like I did in Nashville last year as far as Bills fans on the road. I've been the team's sideline reporter. Last year was my sixth season. And in those six seasons of every away game that I've gone to, never have I experienced what I did in Nashville at that stadium. I should say that weekend in that city with the Bills fans in the way they were. It was absolutely incredible. Now, I'll say a lot of people said Jacksonville was just like that in the playoff game, but truth be told, I didn't go out that weekend in Jacksonville. Uh, we, Our hotel that we stayed in was away from the city, not where a lot of people were. Um, I don't know if that was by design because they wanted to keep the players a little bit further away from things. I'm not really sure, but I didn't go out. I wanted to have a good night's rest, a good night's sleep, prepare for the game. It was a playoff game. So I can't speak on what Jacksonville was like the night before the playoff game, but I certainly can speak on what Tennessee was like and Nashville was like, I should say, the night before the Bills played there last year. And it was insane. It was bonkers. Every single place you went, whether it was downtown, uh, they have another area, and I don't exactly know what the area is called, but there's a downtown area and there's another area, I'm sure there's a few of them, where there's just tons of bars and restaurants. And everywhere you went, it was a sea of red, white, and blue. Bills, red, white, and blue. That's all it was everywhere. Bills jerseys everywhere, Bills hats and shirts and whatever. But the other thing about it was you couldn't get into half of these places. Like the lines were just insane out the door. I remember we went to one spot and I was, I was there with, um, I went with Matt Perino from New York upstate. who's a friend of mine. 
And I think there were a couple more people that we saw bumping around, but I think him and I were the ones that kind of went out. We hung, oh, Thad Brown. It was Thad Brown from uh, WROC in Rochester. Sorry, Thad. Forgot about that. But Thad and I do the uh, Buffalo Kickoff Live show with Josh Reed on Channel 4 in Buffalo every Sunday. And Josh would have been out with us too, I think, but he was actually at a wedding, I believe, in Miami that weekend. And he had to come to Nashville on Sunday morning, or at least really late on Saturday night. So he couldn't go out with us. So we go out. It's myself. It's Matt Perino. And it's Thad Brown. And sure enough, everywhere we go, it's just absolutely insane. It's absolutely packed. The lines are wrapped around everywhere. You can't get in. And I remember going to one spot. I don't remember the name of it or exactly where it was located, but it was three stories high, basically. And it is just so packed. We're in this line and we're waiting downstairs. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear three stories up people singing, Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio, the Sal Capaccio song, my intro theme when I go on WGR. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And Prino's looking at me and laughing and Thad's looking at me and laughing. So I look up and I give like a, hey, what's up guys? And like from there, it was happening all over the city, wherever I was going, I was feeling like, yeah, big man on campus, right? I mean, it just was pretty cool, you know, to be recognized like that, of course. So that was awesome. And I love seeing people and giving high fives and what's up and, you know, taking pictures or whatever. So if I ever see you like that, don't ever be shy to come up and say hello. I... I have all of you listeners to always thank for this really incredible life that I lead and the things that I'm so fortunate to be able to do and have. So uh, that was really cool to experience that. So we're in line and I have to tell you, I will admit, um, so the owner or manager, whoever it was, comes up and says, hey, I'm the owner or manager. I can't remember exactly. Said, I know who you are. And come on, well, you know, we, we got space for you. Come on in. There's some people in there who know you inside. And yes, I'm sorry, my name, my voice, my face, whatever it was. I may have cut you in line. I don't know. I didn't ask for it. I was waiting in line. Someone came and did that. I got inside. I saw a lot of people that I knew and we had a great time. I go up to the third floor and sure enough, it starts again. They start singing the Sal Capaccio song and people are looking back, oh, there's Sal or whatever. Who is that guy? Maybe. I don't know. And I start talking with people, taking pictures. And I'm not kidding you. I had to send I had to have Matt took a picture of this happening because I couldn't believe a girl asked me to sign her boot. Yes, her boot, like her cowboy boot, basically. And I called my wife to tell her, hey, this girl actually just asked me to sign her boot. And my wife did not understand that I said boot. I think she thought I said something else. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah, her boot. Oh, her boot. I actually have a picture of it, me signing this boot, which is pretty incredible. And then I go downtown with these guys were now hanging out at different places. There's a Bill's rally going on and there's a band up on stage. And the guy that put together the, the concert, basically his name is Travis. He's a friend of mine. And he says, Hey, here. And he brings me over near the stage and he goes, introduces me to the band, but they kind of knew who I was. We had met before at other places. I had um, been in a couple events with this particular band that was on stage. And they're like, Sal, you need to get up there and you know, rally the crowd. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm at this like outside of a bar restaurant area where there's this huge stage and the band is on stage. They're playing. They stop. They say, we're going to bring Sal Capaccio up. And I get up there and people are like, yeah, what's up? And then I just start talking to the crowd and firing them up. I think I swore a couple times. It was surreal. It was amazing. It was a great weekend. It was incredible. And I just loved the way Nashville was with Bill's fans. So yeah, you might say it was a pretty incredible weekend and experience. And hey, if you want to be a part of that again, 
I have no idea what the season's going to look like. Let's say there are fans. I don't know. Let's just assume that is for a second. And we all know that that very well could not be the case. Bills are back in Tennessee again, the exact same week this year as they were last year, which is week five. Uh, this, that'll be Sunday, October 11th, playing in Tennessee, exact same week it falls on in the NFL calendar, week five. So it should be amazing weather again. At least that's what you think, but let's get to Sunday and the game. And the weather was a story here. It was rainy when we got to the stadium. It rained pretty heavily at a couple of times throughout the game, but mostly it was just kind of like wet. It wasn't really sunny. It wasn't super hot, but it was warm enough. And you just knew the weather might play a factor in this game when it was all said and done. And not that there were any like specific plays I can point to, oh, that was weather, that was weather. Uh, but it was a 14-7 to 7 final score. So, I mean, low-scoring game, and sometimes that happens when you have you know, weather like that that they were, we were experiencing in Nashville that particular day. But really what this game was about was the Bills' defense getting after Marcus Mariota and then the offense making plays when they needed to make plays at critical times. Also what this game was about, the kicking game. That was the biggest difference in this game was the kicking game. But the game started off, the Bills kicked the ball off to the Tennessee Titans. And just going back to all the Bills fans that are there, the first play of the game, there's a 28-yard reception that the Titans have to Delaney Walker. And you're like, oh man, that's not a good way to start. That gets called back on a penalty. The Titans line back up And they have a false start because they couldn't hear their own offensive signals in their own stadium. And Spiro Deeds, who's doing the game, he says, quote, there are a lot of Bills fans here in Nashville. That was right there. And I remember being on the field for that and hearing that crowd and how they impacted the Tennessee Titans having a false start. I mean, Mariota was literally clapping, like, snap the ball, snap the ball, because the the play clock was getting down to zero. He needed the ball snapped. And they didn't get it off in time, or actually they did, I should say, but they had a false start. It was just a really bad sequence for the home team to start in their own stadium. That just kind of underscored how many Bills fans were actually at that stadium. This was Marcus Mariota's second to last start. There were already rumblings that maybe the Titans should move on and start Ryan Tannehill, but they stuck with him. Mike Vrabel did. And one more game was all it was. It was this game, and then the next game they go to Denver. They lose that one 16 to 10. That's 16 to nothing, excuse me. That's when Tannehill comes in. He plays the rest of the year, and of course, he had an amazing year. It wound up getting him a really nice contract in the offseason when he was scheduled to become a free agent. Wound up getting them to the AFC Championship game. So this was the second to last game, and the Bills were just all over Marcus Mariota. I mean, they absolutely smothered him in this game. Now, Jordan Phillips had an amazing season getting to the quarterback. He really came out in this particular game. This is week five. He has three sacks in the first half, but that was emblematic of what the Bills basically did to Marcus Mariota the entire day. They were harassing him. They were getting in the backfield. They were sacking him, and they made key stops and key sacks in key situations. Maybe Marcus held onto the ball too long at times. I'm sure that was a reason why maybe they wanted to move on from him, but the Bills' defense did an amazing job. This was the Duke Williams game, as I said. Duke is how the crowd responded on the second play of the game for the Bills. The second play, Duke Williams gets a reception, and it sounds like there's booing in the crowd. Of course, they're not booing. They're saying Duke because there were so many Bills fans who were in tune and smart and understood what it represented. Duke Williams getting on the field, as I talked about earlier. Zay Jones, one snap in this game. uh, Robert Foster not playing in this game, and here comes Duke Williams. He starts second play of the game. He has a reception, and then, of course, he makes a bigger play later, which I'll talk about. This game really came down to the kicking game, as I said, and Tennessee winds up missing a 50-yard field goal, 
a 36-yard field goal. They have a field goal blocked, and they miss a 53-yard field goal. And all of them were kind of unique in their own right. The first two were, oh my gosh, uh, Santos misses two field goals, one from 50, one from 36. They should they should have six points on the board. They don't. Well, the Bills, they wind up getting on the board first. But let me tell you about a couple of really interesting sequences in this game that really stood out. I tweeted about one at Sal Sports on Twitter. I included the play-by-play, and people are like, oh, yeah, I absolutely remember that. But let's start off with a second-quarter sequence. These are, to me, there were three really big sequences that kind of um, changed the game and ultimately decided the game, other than the missed kicks, obviously. And that was, in the second quarter, was the first one. The Bills are punting, and the Titans, it's Adam Humphreys. He's the punt returner. He muffs the punt, but the Titans recovered at their own 10-yard line. From there on first down, Derrick Henry has negative four yards rushing. Marcus, uh, I'm sorry, Trent Murphy gets in the backfield and tackles him. Second and 14, Marcus Mariota scrambles for only three yards. Third and 11, Mariota gets sacked. They have to punt from way deep in their own territory. Now the Bills, they get the ball. They don't score, but this is what I mean by why these sequences were really important. People talk about a field position game all the time in the NFL, and sometimes that's mocked. Field position game, come on, just score points. This was a field position game. You go back to the weather, you go back to the score, you go back to the missed kicks. This was a field position game. And this particular sequence that I'm going through underscores why field position really, really, really mattered in this particular game and how these sequences contributed to that. Well, there's the first sequence, and the Bills get the ball after that punt. Now, they don't score. But they move the ball enough where they get a first down. They have seven plays. They wind up punting again. And again, the Titans are deep in their own territory on this particular return. They get the ball at their own 12-yard line. That's where Adam Humphreys catches the ball. He tries to run. He can't. The Bills tackle him at their own 12. So on the first play, Derrick Henry goes only two yards. On the second play, Mariota throws incomplete. On the third play, sack again. Let's remember what just happened a little while before that. Henry minus four, Mariota three and a scramble and a sack. They get the ball back, almost around the same spot. Henry for two yards, Mariota incomplete, and then a sack by Jordan Phillips. This is a third down and eight. Now the Bills are getting the ball again. And after this time, they go down and score because now they've flipped the field. They don't have as far to go. And Josh Allen does a really nice job in a couple different plays to get them down into scoring position. And how did they score ultimately? Well, it's Lee Smith. You know, that incredibly gifted, athletic, great hands tight end the Bills always throw to. Lee Smith with a touchdown, which if you go back and watch this touchdown by Lee Smith, a great design play by Brian Dable and a really awesome sell by Lee Smith. He's on the right side of the formation, lined up in a three-point stance. At the snap of the ball, he blocks down, but then sneaks out into the sec- into the uh, linebacking area, the second level, and then he goes out the left side. Josh Allen looks right and then just floats one back to the left. Lee Smith catches the ball. It's a touchdown. The Bills are up seven to nothing. Now, in between here, the Titans missed the field goal. Like I said, they missed the other one. It should have been seven to six, but it's not. It's only seven to nothing at halftime. And oh, by the way, in the first half, I got to tell you, Josh Allen played really, really well. His first half numbers, 17 of 21, 146 yards, and that touchdown to Lee Smith. Those are really good numbers for a half. 17 of 21, 146 in a touchdown. Allen was dealing. He was dialed in in the first half. And most of those went to John Brown. He had a great first half. He had like five or six catches. I think six catches, 60 yards. He was abusing the Titans secondary. But Allen was really good. And remember, this is the game Allen was coming off when he got 
And when he left the game against New England and went into concussion protocol, he was back that week. He was playing in this game. He did take a couple of hits in this game, but fortunately he was okay and he stayed in. But that first half was very good for Josh Allen. Not so much in the second half, not that he was awful, but he did make one critical mistake that could have really wind up changing the game. It was early on in the third quarter. Josh is scrambling around. He runs to his left, squares his shoulders up. He throws the ball, and I couldn't tell by watching the replay a couple times if he was throwing to Cole Beasley, who kind of sat there, or to TJ Yeldon, who was coming across, and he thought Yeldon was going to keep going, and he didn't. But it winds up getting picked off by the Titans. There's 10.30 left in the third quarter. The Bills are only up 7 to nothing at this point, and you're like, oh my gosh, this could really change the game. It actually wound up being a really big play in the game because the Titans start to come back. But for Josh Allen, what was most important was this was an awful decision. This was a bad throw. It was an awful decision. But it was Josh Allen's last interception for six more games. He went five games after this throw. He goes the rest of this game, almost a half. He goes five more games and then into the next game against the Denver Broncos six games later without throwing an interception. I think the Patriots game the week before was the one game you could really point to where it kind of turned the season for Allen. After that, he was so much better at taking care of the football. But this was the next game after that, and he did make this critical mistake. And it wound up costing the Bills. It cost them a touchdown. The Titans wound up scoring on this particular drive. So, look, I I think he made really horrible decisions in the Cincinnati game in Week 3, in the New England game in Week 4. They all wound up costing him. I don't think this one was necessarily as egregious. It was still a mistake. He shouldn't have done it. He should have taken care of the ball better. And of course, it did wind up hurting them. And in a situation like this, a field position game, a game in which the Bills are up by one score, they're very lucky that they escaped this game with a win when it was all said and done, considering that Allen made this mistake in his own territory and the Titans did wind up scoring on that particular drive. But again, the Bills had a few other things go their way in this game. Let's go to the third quarter now a little bit later. This is a... 7-7 game, they're going back and forth, and the Titans run a screen pass. And Jonu Smith takes it 57 yards. He gets inside the Bills' 15-yard line. From there, all heck breaks loose. This was an incredible series. This was probably the defining sequence of the game, truly. Despite all the missed kicks, everything else that happened, this particular sequence probably wins the game for the Bills in the long run. Here's what happened. We get into the early fourth quarter because the the play actually that Smith ran 57 yards was at the tail end of the third quarter. So we get to the fourth quarter. The Titans have a third and nine at the Bills 20, and Mariota throws a really nice pass for 12 yards to Tajay Sharp to set him up for a first down. They're first and goal at the Bills eight. Derrick Henry gets into the end zone on the next play. Boom, Titans are up. Nope, nope, nope. Flag on the play, holding on Jay Conklin. The Titans have to go back. Now they have to replay first down and goal from the 15-yard line. Mariota throws it to Deion Lewis. He gains 10 yards. They're back down to the Bills' five-yard line. Second and goal from the five. They go wildcat. Derrick Henry, he takes the direct snap. Great play by Tremaine Edmonds to seal it off. Tremaine Edmonds makes a great tackle with help from Saran Neal. Minus one yard on the play. That brings up a third and six, third and goal from the Buffalo six. On this play, right before it, I should say, they're, they're third and goal from the Bills' six, and Taylor Luan has a false start. So now they've gone first and goal at the eight, second and goal at the five. They're third and goal at the six. Now they go third and goal from the Buffalo 11-yard line after that part- particular penalty. On the next play, maybe the play of the game, Marcus Mariota scrambles around. He moves around right. 
throws a touchdown pass to A.J. Brown, but there's a penalty on the play for Mariota going over the line of scrimmage, illegal forward pass. They review it. They review it. It is so close. It's so close that I would say if it had been called a touchdown on the field, it's probably sticking a touchdown. Since it wasn't called a touchdown on the field, they say, yep, we're going to stick with the call on the field, which was penalty on Mariota. Because the rule is if any part of the body is still behind the line of scrimmage, it's okay. It's legal. The entire body, I mean, a toenail, everything has to be over the line of scrimmage on the pass for it to be illegal. And that's what they determine on the original call. So they go from third and 11, third and goal, I should say, from the Buffalo 11 to a touchdown to a penalty on the play, pushing it back to the Bills 15 yard line. And now the field goal unit comes out. And remember, they had already had a missed 50 yarder and a missed 30 yarder and 36 yarder. And what happens here? Santos gets it blocked by Daryl Johnson. And that was, to me, the sequence of the game. If the Titans score a touchdown there, they're up 14-7, to and the Bills were not having a lot of success moving the football. But the way their defense was playing, it's still 7-7. It gives the Bills a chance. This particular sequence for the Titans absolutely killed them. They had two touchdowns called back by penalties, another penalty that forced them back, and then a blocked field goal by the Bills. That's what happened early on in the fourth quarter. Eventually, the Bills get the ball back, and on the very next series, by the way, this leads to this particular series by the Bills. We're about midway through the fourth quarter now, maybe a little bit before that, and Isaiah McKenzie takes one of those little, um, I'm not going to say it's a uh, handoff, inside handoff, because it's a flip pass from Josh, so it goes down as a pass. Isaiah McKenzie makes a great move, get a great block from Dawson Knox, takes it down the right sideline. 46 yards later, the Bills are set up in Titans red zone territory. Andre Roberts on the next play, very creative, runs what I would call in wing T football, a little counter gap, basically, where he's like a, a slot receiver, a wing back. He turns around, takes an inside handoff from Josh Allen. Allen's kind of going left, hands it off inside to Roberts, who's going right, follows a lead blocker through the hole, gains a few yards. Now the Bills have a third down at the Titans seven yard line. It's a seven, seven game right now. If, if they miss here, if they don't if they don't connect on fourth, uh, third down, they don't score a touchdown. They're probably going to kick a field goal. But of course, this is the Duke Williams game. And Duke Williams runs a little slant pattern, a little post, skinny post, gets inside leverage. Josh Allen has a fake handoff to Frank Gore, hits Duke over the middle. Duke scores a touchdown. The Bills are winning 14-7. to And that's how the game wound up ending up. But a couple of things happened back and forth towards the end of the game here. Number one, Frank Gore was exactly what you thought Frank Gore and what the Bills, I should say, signed Frank Gore to be at the end of this game. Remember, there's still no Devin Singletary in this game. He had hurt his hamstring a few weeks prior. This was the last game he would miss before coming back. The Bills had a bye week the following week after this game. Frank Gore, late in this game, to seal the deal, has an 11-yard run and a 19-yard run. Frank Gore had 60 total rushing yards in this game. In the fourth quarter, on the last drive, he had half of them. He had 30 yards in two runs to continue to the to grind the clock and to keep the chains moving. He was really good in crunch time. That's exactly what the Bills wanted. The other thing that happened and the very last play of the game, a kneel down. You know, kneel downs aren't very exciting, but this one was pretty cool. Duke Williams actually took the safety valve spot. Normally that's Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer usually stands far behind Josh Allen just in case there's a, a fumbled snap and he can go chase somebody down if somebody takes the ball. The Bills lined Duke Williams up in that spot. Josh Allen took a knee, turned around, and handed the game ball 
to Duke Williams. And I don't know if a lot of people saw that. It was on TV. I did catch it on the broadcast. I saw it while I was on the sidelines for the game. I saw it on the broadcast when I rewatched the game, but I'm not sure how many people actually saw or knew that that happened. So I'm here to tell you that that happened. Josh Allen took a knee, turns around, hands the ball off to Duke Williams, which is pretty cool that Duke Williams got the game ball from Josh Allen in that particular situation. The Bills moved in this game to four and one. They go to their bye, and now you're like, okay, this team needs to uh, you know, get a wild card. They're in that position. After the game, I wrote a arrow up, arrow down column. I included Josh Allen, especially the first half, Duke Williams, John Brown's first half, Jordan Phillips, Frank Gore in crunch time, Daryl Johnson. He had the block of the kick. He also had his first career sack in this game. Corey Bohorquez did a, had a nice day uh, punting the football, but speaking of punting, it was Andre Roberts. Again, second week in a row, I'm talking about this. The presence of Andre Roberts just means so much. I talked about field position. Here's what I wrote. Arrow up, arrow down. The Titans showed Roberts so much respect they consistently were willing to give the Bills better field position by punting it away from him and out of bounds. Only one Bills drive started inside their own 25-yard line following a Titans punt. Roberts' presence alone made a difference. And that's true. Absolutely, it did. Uh, the Bills' third down defense in this game was very good. Uh, only 4 of 14 were the Titans. That's 29%. Their passing defense was very good. Mariota had a rough day, 13 of 22 passing, only 183 yards. Uh, he was sacked five times. Also, got to really hand it to John Feliciano, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Long. Ty Inseki was inactive in this game, and during the game, the Bills lost Mitch Morse to an ankle injury. Feliciano had to move from guard to center, and then Spencer Long came in to play right guard. Uh, Cody Ford then got injured a little bit later, and Ryan Bates had to come off the bench, and he played basically the entire fourth quarter. The Bills were a mash unit on the offensive line in this game. One of the only times that's really was the case all year. They had to mix and match on the road, and they did a really nice job of that. Um, Going to give an arrow down to the Titans and Mike Vrabel. I didn't really talk about this at the end of the game. I should. Uh, they had a situation where they were at a fourth down, the Titans did, at the Bills, uh, what, 30-something yard line. It's a 53-yard field goal attempt, basically. They have to do set tied. They want a 53-yard field goal. They want to go for it on fourth down. There's only six and a half minutes left, and they're down a touchdown. And Mike Vrabel trots out Santos, his kicker, who had already missed two and had one block. And of course, on this one, he missed from 53 yards away. Vrabel got roasted uh, by fans and Tennessee media after the game, and I don't blame him. 6.36 left in the game. They're down seven. It's a fourth and four and a long field goal and a guy that hadn't hit anything all day. But yet they went for the field goal. He wound up missing, and that was a really big critical element for the Bills. I told you that the kicking game was a big deal in this game. This was one of the reasons why that particular miss at the end of the game. The Bills did commit 10, 11 penalties in the game, cost them 78 yards. I wrote about that as well. But you can find all of that if you want to go back to my arrow up, arrow down column at WGR550.com. That's also where you can find the South Sports and Stuff podcast, no matter what I'm talking about. And of course, it's the 2019 Bills Rewind series that I've been talking about, and I'll continue to do that. There is a bye week, so there's no podcast about a bye week opponent, of course. But the next game after the bye week was the Miami Dolphins and the Bills of course, playing a Dolphins team that had not won a game yet. Now you're thinking, okay, four and one, you got the Dolphins coming to your place, big chance to go five and one. Of course they did, but it was a little bit more nerve wracking than a lot of people wanted. I'll talk about that on the next South Sports and Stuff podcast when we rewind to the Miami Dolphins week seven game. Thanks for listening to the rewind of the Titans week five. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.